0: Lesson 10 for November 30 through to December 6 Worshipping the Lord, read by Dr. Percy Harold. Sabbath afternoon, November 30. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to open your word again today. We may be doing it alone or we may be doing it with friends. And as we open your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us, that we may see you, we may see your love and your goodness and your kindness and your faithfulness. And that as we do so, we will see in the history portrayed here from the time when the temple was rebuilt in Jerusalem and the city was rebuilt. We pray that seeing this in your word, that we may have greater faith in you and more faith in the resurrection that comes because of the death of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Bless us each one, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Ezra chapter 3 and verse 11. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Let's read that again. Ezra chapter 3 and verse 11. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. This week's memory text gives us an insight into the Hebrews' worship practices and how their gratitude toward God had overflowed in praise to him. In 515 BC, they celebrated the dedication of the new temple, and uh, we can read about that in Ezra 6, verses 15 to 18. And then, about 60 years later, the people celebrated the dedication of Jerusalem's completed wall, and we'll read about that in Nehemiah 6, 7 and 12. But first of all, Ezra 6... Beginning at verse 15, Now the temple was finished on the third day of the month of Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Then the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the descendants of the captivity, celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. And... They offered sacrifices at the dedication of this house of God, one hundred bulls, two hundred rams, four hundred lambs, and, as a sin offering for all Israel, twelve male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. They assigned the priests to their divisions, and the Levites to their divisions, over the service of God in Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. And, The 60 years later, they're celebrating the dedication in Nehemiah 6, verse 15, through to chapter 7, verse 3. So the wall was finished on the twenty-fifth day of Elul, in fifty-two days, and it happened when all their enemies heard of it, and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. Also, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them. For many in Judah were pledged to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son, Jehonanan, had married the daughter of Meshullam, the son of Berechiah. Also, they reported his good deeds before me, and reported my words to him. Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. Then it was, when the wall was built and I had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani, and Hananiah the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors, and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at his watch station and another in front of his house. And in chapter 12 of Nehemiah we read, in beginning at verse 27. Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places, to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and singing, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the from the house of Gilgal, and from the field of Geba and Asmaveth, for the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. Then the priests and Levites purified themselves and purified the people, the gates and the wall. Following the listing of genealogies in Nehemiah 11 and 12, the author transitions to the time they celebrated the dedication of the city wall. It was customary for the nation to dedicate things to God, the temple, a city wall, or even houses and public buildings. Such a dedication was thoughtfully prepared and was accompanied with singing, music, feasting, sacrifices, rejoicing, merriment, and the purification of the people. David established the practice of sacrifices during a dedication, and afterwards, Israel's leader followed his example starting with solomon when he brought the ark into the temple as we read in first kings chapter 8 and verse 5 also king solomon and all the congregation of israel who were assembled with him were with him before the ark sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude this week we will look at how they worshiped the lord during this time and see things that we who worship the same lord can apply to ourselves. Sunday, December 1 Singing the Songs of the Lord question read nehemiah chapter 12 verses 27 to 29 notice some of the key words that reveal what their worship and praise was like how would you describe it nehemiah 12 beginning at verse 27. Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and singing, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the neth from the house of Gilgal, and from the field of Geba and Asmaveth, for the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. The Israelite nation had commissioned a specific class of the Levites to be singers and musicians for the temple services. God directed the practice and gave instructions for the service, as the temple worship was to be beautiful and professionally performed. King David had organised this practice into a more elaborate and magnificent system than had previously been done. Therefore, the descendants of Asaph, whom David had appointed as the leader of worship in the temple, were still designated as, as it says in Nehemiah 11.22, the singers in charge of the service of the house of God. Question, look up. 1st chronicles chapter 25 verses 6 to 8 what does this teach us about how central and important music was to their worship and their singing the songs of the lord 1st chronicles chapter 25 beginning at verse 6 all these were under the direction of their father for the music in the house of the lord with cymbals stringed instruments and harps for the service of the house of god Asaph, Jedathon, and Heman were under the authority of the king. So the number of them with their brethren, who were instructed in the songs of the Lord, all who were skilled, was two hundred and eighty-eight. And they cast lots for their duty, the small as well as the great, the teacher with the student. The singers were Levites and therefore officially assigned to the temple. Thus, providing music for the temple services was their paid job. During the time of King David, a full-fledged music academy was organised, which he supervised. It had teachers and students, young and old, who worked in shifts in the temple providing music. Some were instrumentalists, others singers, yet others took care of the instruments and the garments used for the services. What was the purpose of such a professional organisation? It served to develop talent and the vision of excellence in worship. Excellence must always be a goal in worship. Praises must come from the heart and be expressed in the best way so that people will be spiritually uplifted. One can assume that those musicians and singers who served in the temple were carefully selected to lead the worship service. And so to finish today... What are ways that you have experienced the joy of worship through music? In what ways is this important to you? Monday, December two. Purification. After the scriptures talk about the dedication of the wall, and then the gathering of the singers, the next verse, Nehemiah 1230, talks about purification. Then the priests and Levites purified themselves and purified the people, the gates, and the wall. The Hebrew root word for purified, thr, THR means to be clean, to be pure, and it is used in many contexts in the Old Testament, including those with the idea of being morally pure and clean before God. Consider this. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, verses 7-9. to What does this text teach us about 1. Human nature, 2. God's forgiveness, and 3. God's power, in our lives. The temple and its services were crucial components of the religion of ancient Israel. But the temple and its services were a means to an end, not an end in and of themselves. And that end, of course, was to lead the people into a saving relationship with their covenant God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to know his cleansing power in their lives. And it's the knowledge of what God has done, what the Lord has saved us from, that leads us to love Him and worship Him. That's one reason, over and over, the ancient Israelites recounted what God had done in their past. It helped them to know the goodness and love of the Lord, which was central to the joy and thanksgiving that was to permeate their worship experience. For us today, the experience and appreciation of forgiveness for sin should come out of gratitude to God and lasting joy. Then it is easy to praise the Lord and express appreciation for the beauty of His character. And what greater revelation of God's character can we have than seeing Jesus on the cross bearing the punishment for our sins so we don't have to bear that punishment ourselves? And so to finish today, regardless of your past sins or your present character at the cross, you can have complete forgiveness, and right at this very moment too. Why not claim the forgiveness that Jesus offers you right now? Tuesday, December 3. Two large thanksgiving choirs. Question. Read Nehemiah chapter 12, verses 31 to 34. Why was music such an important part of this celebration? Nehemiah 12, beginning at verse 31. So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right hand on the wall toward the refuse gate. After them went Hoshiah, and half of the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshallam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemiah, Jeremiah, and some of the priests' sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemiah, the son of Metaniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zachor, the son of Asaph, and his brethren, Shemiah, Azareel, Melalai, Gilalai, Mai. Nathanael, Judah and Hanani with the musical instruments of David the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them. By the fountain gate in front of them they went up the stairs of the city of David on the stairway of the wall beyond the house of David as far as the water gate eastward. The other thanksgiving choir went the opposite way and i was behind them with half of the people on the wall going toward the tower of the ovens as far as the broad wall and above the gate of ephraim above the old gate above the fish gate the tower of hananel the tower of the hundred as far as the sheep gate and they stopped by the gate of the Prison. So the two thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God. Likewise I and the half of the rulers with me, and the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Minjamin, Micaiah, Eloni, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets, also Masiah, Shemaiah, Eliezer, Uzzi, Jehohanan, Melchijah, Elam, and Ezer, the singers sang loudly with... Jezrehiah, the director. Part of the worship service in Nehemiah's time was creating two Thanksgiving choirs that walked around Jerusalem singing, accompanied by instruments. They started in the same place and then split off, each going in a different direction around the walls of the city. One group was led by Ezra, who was at the front, and the other group had Nehemiah at the back. The two choirs met up once again in the valley gate and from there proceeded into the temple. Priests who blew the trumpets complemented each procession. Once the choirs entered the temple, they stood facing each other. It was an excellently organised procession and worship service. To answer why music is such an important part of the celebration and worship service, we have to look at its meaning in the context of the temple. Music in the temple was not a concert that people came to enjoy, like going to listen to Beethoven's fourth symphony being performed at a concert hall. Rather, as the musicians sang and played the instruments, the people bowed in prayer. It was part of their worship. The central act of the temple and worship concerned sacrifices, itself a rather unpleasant action, after all. What were they doing but slicing the throats of innocent animals? The playing of such beautiful music in many ways, besides just lifting the people's thoughts heavenwards, helped make the whole worship experience more pleasant. Question. Look up instances in the Bible in which music was an important aspect of worship. Reflect especially on Exodus fifteen, verse one; Second Chronicles twenty, verse twenty-two and twenty-one; and Revelation fifteen, verses two and four. We begin with Exodus chapter fifteen, verse one. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, "I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously." The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. And Second Chronicles 20, verses 21 and 22. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army, and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures for ever. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. And then Revelation, chapter 15, verses 2-4, to And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvellous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the Saints.' Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Both on earth and in heaven, music is part of the worship experience. Notice that in the above verses, the singing is all about what the Lord has done for his people, including giving them victory over the beast. After all, how else would they have gotten that victory? It's praise to God for His acts of salvation. And so to finish the day, name some of the things that God has done for you that are good reasons to sing praises to Him. Wednesday, December 4. Sacrifices as part of worship question read nehemiah chapter 12 verse 43 what was special about offering great sacrifices as part of their worship celebration nehemiah 12 verse 43 also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced for god had made them rejoice with great joy the women and the children also rejoiced so that the joy of jerusalem was heard afar off Sacrifices were the most essential aspect of worship during the time of the temple. Several different sacrifices were used, either for the promise of forgiveness or to express the joy of fellowship and gratitude to God. Sacrifices provided the substance for worship, as they reminded the worshippers of the truth of God and who He is, and pointed to the promised seed, the Messiah, who would sacrifice His life for them because He is is the Lamb of God. Question, read John one twenty nine and 36, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, and Revelation chapter 5, verses 6, 12 and 13. What do they teach us about what the sacrifices ultimately pointed to if the ancient Israelites could rejoice over a dead farm animal, a death that could reveal only so much truth, how much more reason do we have to rejoice than they had? John 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And verse 36. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And First Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. And Revelation chapter 5 and verse 6. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And verses 12 and 13, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honour and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb for ever and ever. Notice, too, how many times the idea of joy and rejoicing appears in Nehemiah 12, verse 43 alone. That is, amid the reverence and perhaps the godly fear that the people experienced in their worship service – after all, the killing of an animal for their sins was a solemn thing – There was joy and rejoicing as well. When we approach God, it must be in awe and reverence, as well as with rejoicing. Psalm 95 demonstrates that a true act of adoration involves a summons to sing, shout joyfully, and make music to celebrate God, as we read in verse 1 of Psalm 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation as well as to bow down and kneel before the Lord. In verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Striving to achieve a balance between joy and reverence is crucial for adoring, praising and worshipping our Creator. And so to finish today, when we think that at the cross the Creator of all that is created Hung there, dying for the sins of his creation. What emotion do we first experience? What role also can and should joy play in our experience at the cross? John 1 verses 1 to 3 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Thursday, December 5, Priests and Levites as Part of Worship Question, read Nehemiah chapter 12, verses 44 to 47. Why did Judah rejoice over the priests and Levites who ministered? why were they important let's read nehemiah 12 beginning at verse 44 and at the same time some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse for the offerings the first fruits and the tithes to gather into them from the fields of the cities the portions specified by the law for the priests and levites for Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. Both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification, according to the command of David and Solomon his son. For, in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave the portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, a portion for each day. They also consecrated holy things for the Levites, and the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron." Question, what did the work of the priests, who were Levites, symbolize? And here we look at Hebrews chapter 9 verses 1 through 11. Then indeed even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, and behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that buttered, and the tablets of the covenant.' and above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Now when these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services, but the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself, and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of Reformation. But Christ came as High Priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Ellen White writes in The Great Controversy, page 489. The intercession of Christ in man's behalf in the sanctuary above is as essential to the plan of salvation as was his death upon the cross. By his death he began that work which, after his resurrection, he ascended to complete in heaven. We must by faith enter within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, as it says in Hebrews 6.20. End of quote. Again, Though the people back then certainly didn't have the light that we have today, they understood enough to know that the work of the Levites, who alone could minister in the temple, was so important. They were excited that the work of God would be done through them. The nation had been spending time with God in reading His word, praying, worshipping, and rededicating themselves to Him. Amid all this, they realized that the ministries of the temple had been neglected and needed to be restored. Now that these were established again, the people rejoiced over the important work the Levites would be doing on their behalf. God impressed the nation that the ministries of the temple were part of His design for worship. Unfortunately, ministers, teachers of the word and musicians are often taken for granted. Even during the time of Nehemiah, the support of the Levites was sometimes strong and sometimes very weak. The Levites had to go back to other work many times in order to provide for their families because the people stopped giving tithes and offerings. Without tithes and offerings, there is no organised worldwide church. If we want our ministries to continue, we must be committed to supporting our ministers by monetary contributions as well as verbal appreciation. The Church may never be perfect, but that shouldn't undermine our giving to God so that His work can continue around the world. Friday, December 6. From the book The Great Controversy, page 651 and 652, we read The cross of Christ will be the science and the song of the redeemed through all eternity. In Christ glorified, they will become Christ crucified never will it be forgotten that he whose power created and upheld the unnumbered worlds through the vast realms of space the beloved of god the majesty of heaven he whom cherub and shining seraph delighted to adore humbled himself to uplift fallen man that he bore the guilt and shame of sin and the hiding of his father's face till the woes of a lost world broke his heart and crushed out his life on Calvary's cross, that the maker of all worlds, the arbiter of all destinies, should lay aside his glory and humiliate himself from love to man will ever excite the wonder and adoration of the universe. As the nations of the saved look upon their Redeemer and behold the eternal glory of the Father shining in His countenance, as they behold His throne, which is from everlasting to everlasting, and know that His kingdom is to have no end, they break forth in rapturous song. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain, and hath redeemed us to God by His own most precious blood." End of quote. And that brings us to our four discussion questions for this week. 1. In class, talk about finding the right balance in worship between reverence and joy. Or work through this question. Are reverence and joy mutually exclusive anyway? 2. The Israelites placed the wall of Jerusalem under divine protection through the dedication ceremony, and thus acknowledged that a wall is useless unless God defends it. Solomon expressed it well. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Psalm 127 verse 1 What should this tell us about any of our endeavours? For the Lord. 3. What is the role of music in your own church's worship experience? 4. Scripture is clear. Jesus is our High Priest in the sanctuary in heaven. What exactly is he doing for us there? What can the ministry of the priests in the earthly temple teach us about what Jesus is doing for us in the heavenly one? Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled Three Warnings in Abkhazia and it's by Andrew McChesney of Adventist Mission. Valentina Dmitryenko, intent on finding corn to bake Lepioska flatbread for her family, hurried to the outdoor market in Abkhazia, a breakaway region in the former Soviet Republic of Georgia. She didn't have much money, and a months-long armed struggle in her hometown Sukumi had caused a severe food shortage. Valentina found a woman selling dried corn kernels from a cloth bag, but she didn't have enough money. Valentina stood silently and thought, how can I feed my family? Suddenly, she felt someone tap her left shoulder and address her with a firm but friendly voice. Valya? Get out now. Startled, she spun around. No one was there. Valentina stood puzzled for a moment, but her thoughts quickly returned to her husband, Pavel, who worked as a Seventh-day Adventist pastor and their sixteen-year-old daughter, Natasha. She looked at the woman with the precious corn. Again, she felt a tap on her shoulder. Valya, get out now. Realising something was wrong, Valentina rushed toward the exit but stopped to greet two neighbours, Yuri and Tysia. Then she saw a woman selling straw brooms and asked how much. She felt a tap on her shoulder for the third time. Valya, get out now. Valentina fled. Two minutes later, she heard the terrifying whistle of an artillery shell flying over her head. Two more shells followed in quick succession. Valentina stopped dead in her tracks as a loud boom reverberated across the city centre. Valentina saw a huge cloud of smoke and dust rising from the market. Tears streamed down her cheeks as she ran home, praying, God, thank you for saving me. But who am I? Why did you protect me? Later, Valentina returned to the market and saw craters left by the blasts. Two craters marked the exact spots where she had stood and looked longingly at the corn and brooms. Recalling that day in 1993, Valentina often thinks about Isaiah 43 verse 2 where the Lord says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. The artillery shell is like the fire that scorches people, but God promises, I will be with you, said Valentina, whose photograph is here on the left. We gave God the right to protect us by walking with him and living with him. Our whole life has been a life of service. Why did Christ come into this world? To serve, as Ellen White says. This has been the goal of our life, to serve This week's lesson has been read by Dr. Percy Harold from Queensland, Australia. It is brought to you by Hope Channel, the Sabbath School Department, and through the services of Christian Services for the Blind. A video of this podcast also occurs on YouTube. Remember, God is always faithful.